stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm joined by Ryan McQueenie, Zach's editor of the newsletter, The Income Investor, to talk about what else? Dividend stocks. It's a new year, and with all the volatility to end 2018, a lot of investors are looking for income this year, and this is a change. The last couple of years, you know, I've done other... Uh, dividend stock shows on this podcast. And it's always been like, meh, people are like, oh, okay. There's always someone looking for income, but it hasn't been like what I feel like is happening now. I do think there's kind of been a change in the air. And suddenly people are like, oh, I kind of want to get the that extra little boost. Mm. Maybe it was because of the big sell-off at the end of last year. I don't know. And then we saw a lot of sell-off, as you know, Ryan, in the big growth names. Mm -hmm. So for the last couple of years, if I would have said like, hey, you should go buy this dividend stock that's paying 4% yield versus FANG, you know, Netflix and all of that, I, they would have been like, ah, oh, Tracy, you're you're funny. Ha, ha, ha. But now I feel like some people are like saying no to Netflix and those stocks and yes to the income stocks. I even got a call um, from a friend over the holidays asking me whether or not they should buy AT&T right now mm -hmm. because suddenly they want income. Sure. And I don't know who told them about AT&T, but someone did and said you could get a lot, you know, they have a high dividend. So I looked it up. They're paying 6.7% um, right now. So it is pretty juicy if you're just looking only at that dividend. But the shares are down 17% over the last year. And then two years, they're down 26%. And that two-year downward trend is when the S&P was actually up almost 14% during that time. So I was like, well, yeah, if you bought right now, I guess you're, you didn't feel any of that pain. But it's kind of a change in the mindset because, again, Netflix has bounced off its lows and it's like surging back higher. And yet people are are turning away from those stocks, I feel. Is this what you're seeing? Um, I think all of a sudden, yeah, we're talking about it more. Yeah. Um, and, and that's good. I, I think um, typically the, the, the most basic of, of dividend-focused strategies are going to end up targeting – um, the blue chip stocks that, that have been around a while that yeah. offer you know some sort of relative stability compared to the growth names that you that you're mentioning and this because these are the companies that pay healthy dividends obviously right um, but the fact that that is kind of the relationship between the two I think it kind of sweetens the pot even more so than you're getting a little extra payout by investing in the company it also happens to be uh, the type of companies that are a little bit more defensive and a little bit less volatile, a little bit less susceptible to these big up and down swings. That being said, we certainly did not make it out of the October through December selling unscathed no, no. with the dividend stocks, especially um, some of the ones in the income investor portfolio. Um, so we've kind of taken stock of what's happened and tried to um, tried to reevaluate as well. Right. I think so your point is good, though. So even the ones that are considered to be the more blue chips and stable and all of that, that some people might be trying to seek out, those 
we're not immune. No, absolutely not. <laughs> no, I mean everything. Everything was selling off for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. It, Obviously, to different degrees, um, and then we, you know, we had um, even energy selling off extra hard because of what was happening yeah. with oil prices. And for a while, it seemed like oil and equities were just going to be tied together for whatever reason. Um, and, uh, you know, it's interesting then because, you know, energy is, is a place a lot of people would cycle into for some nice dividends in a, in a lot of different ways. So Right. Um, and let's talk a little bit about energy then since you just brought it up because I own a couple of the big energy plays in the value investor, not for the dividend, but I do like getting that extra dividend in there because it can boost our performance for sure. And heck, I like getting dividends in my own portfolio. Yeah, it might only be like $10 a quarter or whatever, um, but it's still fun to get that. And with some of these big energy plays, it's it's a lot better than, than that. Those little minuscule um, returns because, I mean, BP right now is paying 6.1% and they did not cut it in the last oil plunge of 2014, 2015, it was considered quote unquote safe during that time. So I feel like they're a little bit better managed even now. And so no no dividends ever safe, 100%, but I do feel like that one is probably okay to go even with this volatility in the energy market. And then the same with Occidental, um, that ticker is OXY. They pay, they're paying one of the biggest uh, percentage for just the pure play EMPs. They're not, they don't have any refining like BP does. And their yield is 4.7 right now. And they basically already came out in an investor day and laid it out pretty clear for both investors and the analysts, like what, what oil needs to be at for them to pay that dividend and then to, uh, you know, what it needs to be at to reinvest and all of these other things. So they even said anything over $40, we're paying that dividend. Sure. And we didn't even touch the 40 yeah, level. We as low as we went, we didn't come quite, no. quite very close to that. So. Yeah. And we're back up over 50 now in WTI. So... Um, I, I kind of like what's going on there, but BP is a number three hold for the Zacks rank right now. But um, Occidental, because of what they put out for Investor Day, a little more conservative on 2019 drilling production guidance, those estimates have been just crushed down. <laughs> yeah. Just like every single analyst has been cutting for 2019, not surprising. So they've they've got the number five strong sell rank now, but that's part of the problem if you're using the Zach's rank system, at least with some of these big energy. Yeah. You're going to see that just because, yeah. you know, the, the there. price of oil is going to be tied to yeah. their earnings. So um, it's interesting you bring it up because I think there are, there are, um, you know, obviously several different ways you can play energy yeah. um, in different types of companies you can go after. Uh, our largest yield, it's a bit weird because it's a, it's a, it's a different type of company, but our largest yield our highest yield right now in the income investor portfolio is an MLP. Um, okay. It's MPLX, which is the marathon MLP spinoff. It was a big trend a few years ago for all these big oil companies to to spin off their um, logistics and pipeline and transportation segments into MLPs. It's all sorts of weird, funky tax stuff. The word distribution is yeah. used in the, instead of the word dividend. There's this is a lot why of, I hate MLPs. Yeah. I'm just being frank. Well, I'm just putting it out there. I don't... I don't like owning them. Over time, over the last couple of years, I have owned like one or two in my own personal portfolios. And then I hated it because I got all these special tax forms. I had to wait for forever to get it. 
because it's a partnership and yeah, like what you just mentioned with the distribution thing. And then it wasn't hard in the TurboTax to like put it in there, yeah. but the forms came really late. Like you weren't, you weren't filing in February right? because the forms did not come by then. So if you want to avoid yourself the tax yeah. headache, uh, I would say avoid it. And yeah. The other thing that I think the other frustration people would probably have with the MLP space in the last several months is that hypothetically, it's supposed to be um, the least price sensitive segment of the business. Um, these these contracts are, are laid out and, and executed regardless of, of what the price of oil is on any given day. Um, and still, you saw the MLPs come crashing okay. down. Uh, the, wow. the the MLP um, index. I, I, I forget the uh, the initials for it off the top of my head, but okay. it was down some twenty five thirty percent from October through December. Um, you know, part of that and the reason why we decided to add an MLP was, um, you know, as we look at at a rebound, I, I'm under the belief that. The, the things that have sold off the hardest are, are in in line to rebound the hardest. So I was hoping we could we could catch some of the rebound in MOPs and and we're getting a high yield from it. Obviously, yes, it, it's it's quite the headache when it comes to filing your taxes. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And, and it does it, it, if you if you do your homework on it, um, it does end up typically being a tax advantage for both the company and its. Um, unit holders, is I believe the right. phrase. That's right. <laughs> um, so, but just be aware, you're going to have some different tax things going on, and you're going to have some different terminology and some different financial metrics that are important to those companies as compared to a regular stock or even a regular oil stock. Okay, let's switch over to another sector that's been really beaten down. Um, in addition to energy is the financials and yeah. especially the banks. That is a place where people have historically looked at you know, to find the yields. And then, then they didn't during the financial crisis because the dividends were cut or went away completely. And so people really turned away from that sector as far as dividends. But now with some of the weakness in the bank shares, I'm noticing some of those yields are starting to look a little juicier now too. Should I be, I know we're getting the reports in right now, so it's hard to talk about where the banks kind of stand, but should I be looking around in both all types of banks, the big, the bigs, the communities, the regionals, all of them. Yeah, well, I guess the the question you have to ask yourself is how much lower do you think the banks can go? Well, because right. it, it hasn't been a good year and a half or no. so for for really any of the areas, uh, any of the key areas of, of the the great, greater finance base. Yeah. Really, uh, we basically have no exposure to. Um, banks in the income investor portfolio right now. Okay. Uh, we had a regional banking uh, company um, that was successful for several years and then basically was just up and down wild ride to basically get us flat uh, through the last year or so. We ended up getting rid of it as, as the regional banks just looked like they had nothing going for them. Even though, again, hypothetically, the, the, the rising interest rates could potentially benefit right. um, the regional banks, especially them, but more so yeah. than others. Um, but I think just in the in the greater um, banking space, especially with the big banks that we're seeing report this week, that that flattening of the yield curve just has not done them no favors whatsoever. Um, so I guess that would then... So your answer is you're not really looking there. Well, I, you know... Again, you know, those stocks that have been sold off the hardest are going to have the juicy yields yeah. and they're going to also be in line to, to rebound the hardest. So um, I guess it really comes down to what we're going to be talking about with the yield curve for 2019, which I still feel like there's there's some question marks 
um, that I, I, I'm not quite sure of the answers to right now. Um, that being said, if, if we get a clearer picture and it looks like, hey, there's the bottom, we already went through it, um, these yields are, are juicy, let's get in them while they're juicy and let's get them in while the stocks have room to run higher, um, then there's a possibility. Basically, the only thing we have right now in, in income investor uh, in the broader finance space is Old Republic, ORI, and an insurance company. So, right, right. Um, we were, we've stayed away from the banks recently, um, but it, it's not something that um, I would I would completely ignore for, for much longer. Okay. Um, I do think a little hint for anybody who's thinking when the banks might be close to the bottom or maybe even oversold is to watch what the insiders do. Because two years ago, or almost three years ago now, three years ago, was when they got oversold the last time and the insiders, starting with Jamie Dimon at J.P. Morgan, he made that huge insider buy, $26 million it was at the time, um, basically saying like, you know, this is overdone and I'm getting in here as a sign of confidence. And then insiders at many other banks, both across the spectrum, it was the regionals, it was um, the small, small little community banks that you might not know about, but a lot of people started buying in than in cluster buys, as I like to call them. Sure. And so that's another thing to watch because there's been a smattering of buying at the banks over the last like year or so, but not the huge amount that we saw in early, it was in January and February of 2016. Mm -hmm. So that's another hint that people should be on the lookout for. They might be able to time a bottom a little bit better because who knows who knows better than what's going on inside these banks than than these people who work there? Yeah. Um, uh, so that's just a little hint. Some people might want to look in, into that aspect to try to time that banking bottom. Um, okay, let's switch over to another area that I feel people used to look for yields, and that is in like the drug area, the big drug companies, sure. because a lot of them have been around for decades now, the big name guys, and even some that have been spun off. So I took a look and saw that one of the ones with one of the bigger yields, over 5% now, is AbbVie, one of the big biopharmaceuticals. Um, ABBV is the ticker there. They were spun off from Abbott Labs, yeah. which pays its own dividends, so that's like on a separate thing. Um, they also have a great earnings track record, just a little side thing for Abbott. But AbbVie, uh, they haven't reported yet, reporting on January 25th, but little over five, 5.1% yield now. What do you think about big pharma in general and looking there for some I, yields? I like it a lot. We definitely have some exposure to um, big pharma and even biotech in the income investor portfolio right now. Okay. Um, I, I especially like the, the big pharma um, and the kind of consumer staples uh, combination plays because theoretically those should be also – um, traditional defensive stocks that yeah. people might cycle into uh, if they're worried about volatility, uh, just because you're a little bit more protected from from slowdowns in the economy at those types of places. Uh, I feel like the dividends are relatively safe. Okay. Um, and when you're getting such a good yield on it, I, I think they look even better. Um, Abvia is definitely one that has come up on my uh, dividend screen okay. recently. Uh, stock we're definitely interested in keeping an eye on. Yeah, me too. Um, and uh, you know, I think we, we've got a couple other, uh, a couple other options in the portfolio already that are okay. that are similar, getting a similar exposure. Um, I even liked uh, a Gilead um, oh, yeah. for for its yield. Uh, it's a little bit more muted at, at about three point four percent right now. Okay. Um, but 
that a combination of a lot of things we're talking about, um, but also because you know that company specifically, new CEO. If you look uh, from a technical perspective, um, you know I, I think that we've seen about how low traders are going to take the stock. We've seen about how low we're willing to have that valuation at. Um, we're hanging out at, at basically a five-year low at, at Gilead right now, and okay. um, you know I think what's the ticker? Uh, GILD. Okay. Um, and 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 I think um, you know that one in particular with the yield at where it's at, it could be an interesting one. Now, what about retail? Sure. There's some crazy yields going on there. Um, I've looked around myself. Some are, I feel, value traps or or yield traps, I guess you can even call them. Yeah. Um, but one of them in particular is, I know people have questions on because a lot of people own it. So L Brands, ticker LB, that's Victoria's Secret and Bed Bath Body Works. Victoria's Secret's not good in the recent, let's just say, year. Um, their comps have been down. They even just had the holiday comps out. It was another negative comp for that brand. Bath and Body Works seemingly is doing really well. So that's helpful. But Victoria's Secret's its bigger brand. They haven't cut the dividend. Um, the shares have plunged down over the last five years. But L Brand's now yielding 9.1%. When you see something like that and then you see the chart where it's like down, 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 is that, is that the danger? Is that, should I be like leery of that instead yeah. of thinking like I've hit the jackpot, yeah, you well, know? It's interesting that you call it a, a, a yield trap because it, it feels very similar to the value trap that I'm sure your listeners are, are well aware of yeah. um, that, you, that you've described before. Um, you know, I, I don't want to sound hypocritical and go from, well, we like Gilead because it's near a five-year low, and right. the, the dividend yield looks good. And we're looking at this um, technical base of support. Yeah. Um, uh, but um, you know, when it, when a stock shows absolutely no signs of of having uh, a technical base of support, right. and it continues to slump lower, and its core business continues to to struggle, uh, yeah. not just struggle for growth, but struggle in general. Yeah. Um, that that is going to be. Um, something we we would hesitate on. Um, just okay. speaking from our perspective, in from the income investor portfolio perspective, we got crushed on retail. Okay. Um, in, in Q4 uh, of 2018. Yeah, you're not alone. I liked a lot of the. <laughs> I loved. I loved a lot of the retail stocks in a bunch of different kind of areas of the business because yeah. the yields were looking good. They um, are. The holiday shopping season was looking very good. It it was good. Yes. Um. And uh. You know we. You know the. For whatever reason, a combination of factors, yeah. um, we missed out on, on the time that we wanted to own retail stocks, yeah. and, and and we got punished for that. And you know that might be an example of your of your getting trapped into the to the yields. Right. Right. Okay. So that's that's a little warning for people out there to not just look at the yield, but look at the further behind the scenes story about what's going on. And then they really need to look and see, can this dividend continue to be paid? Yeah. Um, pay, is, pay, is it, payout yeah. ratio is is a good number to look at. Okay. Um, that's going to be uh, your percentage of your free cash flow, your percentage of your available earnings that you can designate to the dividend. And the higher that that goes, the more that you're saying, all right, this all of this profit now has to go to to paying the dividend and you know typically we like to see a lower payout ratio because that's saying 
you know, if times do get tough, if the earnings picture does start to fade a bit, this dividend is a little bit safer. Um, the more, the higher that payout ratio goes, the, the more I'd have questions. Um, off the top of my head, I don't know what L Brands' payout ratio is, but uh, when you're debating that that yield trap, if you want to use that phrase, uh, that could be a good figure to check out. Okay, that's good advice. All right. Well, this has been good. I think we've given a lot of. What like, can we? Can I touch on two more things? Oh my real gosh! Quick? Yeah. Okay. So two more areas. I think people go classically searching for high yields. Um, you touched on it earlier. You had a friend who called you about AT and T. Yes. I think we should expand a little bit more on the telecoms because while t- AT okay. and T, I don't well, know. It's kind of boring to me, but well, <laughs> let me let me make my case as to why it's Sorry. not boring. Why some of these are not boring. Okay. Why AT? While AT and T is down about seventeen percent in the past year, it is. Verizon is up twelve percent. T Mobile is up eight percent, and oh. Sprint is up eleven percent. Of course, okay. T Mobile and Sprint are they? Aren't they merging? Yeah, they are. Will they? Won't they? They've been trying for multiple years now. Um, For a while, it looked like Sprint wanted to be the majority owner. Now it's looking like T-Mobile is going to be the majority owner. What executives are staying? What executives are leaving? Those are the types of things that have have really complicated that relationship. Okay. Um, And if you look at that plus 8% for T-Mobile and that plus 11% for Sprint, um, it's with all sorts of ups and downs and rocky roads and huge gaps higher and huge gaps lower on presumably the news uh, yeah. a lot of that uh, be doing with this merger news now Verizon I like uh, we we hold that in the income investor portfolio to okay. in, in terms of um, disclosure there uh, 12% over the past um, year uh, it's got a yield of 4.2% right now okay it's um, pretty good and the reason why it's not boring right now is we are on the cusp of a really really exciting period of time for telecoms for all of those companies I just listed as as 5G starts to roll out. Um, Verizon was the first to to bring a 5G network to market. Um, it's been kind of half-seas met by AT&T, which is rolling out its 5G-E network. Uh, Verizon has been very publicly critical of AT&T, throwing some shots back and saying, why are you selling people fake 5G. We have real 5G and we're going to beat you to real 5G uh, in terms of a national rollout. Okay. So we'll let them get their pettiness out of the way. The simple fact of the matter is Verizon has pretty healthy yield right now and and has shown um, much better momentum over the past year. Um, And and I think it it is an exciting moment of of growth for telecom, which you don't always always get. No. And then... then, um, uh, the the other kind of high yield area I think people go looking for is is the REITs. I know, but I don't really want to cover those. You don't want to talk no. about the REITs? I love They're REITs so right boring. now. I love REITs right now. Really? And I like REITs right now for a lot of different reasons because I feel like a lot of people want to stay away from, stay away from REITs because they tend to be rate sensitive. You yeah. know, you've got the rising interest rates. That's going to pose a problem. Well, not every REIT is rate sensitive. So... You're gonna have you're gonna have REITs. That I would say check out REITs that have a lot of their debt already fixed rate, where they're they're not going anywhere on on the, on the rates. Okay. Um, REITs where the funds from operation, which if you look on the Zacks.com website at uh, any of our REIT listings, instead of the the Zacks consensus estimate, that is actually showing the funds for oper- from operation per share, FFO per share, um, as opposed to EPS. Uh, we view FFO as the more important um, gauge of profitability in the REIT space. I would say look for a REIT that has stable or growing funds from operation, and, and you're going to be in a good 
situation. And, and even like um, something that we do hold in the income investor portfolio, again, full disclosure, um, the Community Healthcare Trust, which is a REIT that owns um, property that it, that is leased out to community doctors, local neighborhood doctors' offices, community health centers, that type of place, which I don't know if you want to talk R-word. I don't know if we want to say the R-word, but if you're thinking R-word end of 2019, R-word in 2020 sometime, that is an R-word proof kind of business where I don't really think that as bad as as an R-word might get that uh, you're going to see a ton of pressure on on local neighborhood doctors. That's, that seems like a business that you might be able to um, hedge yourself a little bit in if if that becomes a problem for the the broader economy. And you're getting some good yields on that. That CHCT was the one I just mentioned that's yielding 5.3% right now. Okay. All right. I'm not big on the REITs. I didn't change your mind there. You did not. Well, but hey, it does own. have a good yield. I, yes. I just thought, you know, These we are need ideas. to address it. People, people, people I know. Go There's some REIT crazy people. Yes, I know. definitely. I know. I, I, you know, the the person who's calling you to see if they should invest everything in AT and T might just be investing everything in a REIT the next day. So I hope not. But yes, you <laughs> never know. <laughs> Either way, definitely diversify your portfolio. <laughs> right. All of your money should not be in only one. Yes. One and of I th- these. I think what you've just heard already is that there are many, many different industries and sectors right. you can get into with these high yields right yeah. now, but always kind of. So yeah. I feel like this is probably the best period since the Great Recession for dividends right now. So especially corporate tax cuts, a lot of people raise their dividend or otherwise put it into the share buybacks plus the dividend. So we saw a big increase in those in the last year as well. And then the stock sell-off made it even juicier. Yeah. And, you know, on that topic, though, don't think that this is a foolproof plan because no. you know even the the dvy which is one of the more popular vanguard dividend etfs yeah down eight percent over the last year the s is down about right. 6.3 percent so this is underperformed the s p just yeah. on face value right um over the past year so it's not like everybody's cycling into dividend stocks and and they're getting free getting off scot-free right uh, you know the volatility has, right. has hurt a lot of these stocks as well yeah Okay, that's always something good to keep in mind. So let's recap the stocks, or at least I'll try. So AT&T is T. Um, We had some energy. BP is BP, Occidental, OXY. What's that marathon, MLP? MPLX. I should talk into the MPLX. (laughs) Okay, so there's that one. We had Gilead, G-I-L-D is the ticker. Verizon, V-Z, ABV, A-B-B-V. L Brands, LB, um, what's that hospital? CHCT? Yes. The doctor one or Community Healthcare Trust. Community Healthcare. And that's most of the ones we talked about, I think. So, um, yeah, like these, there's a lot going on. We could go on and on about the dividends, but I'll have you on later on this year and we'll kind of see where things are shaking out. Sure. Because this is an interesting area right now. And I like to get those little those little paychecks every quarter myself it's yeah. fun yeah and nothing is too and you small. can reinvest them it makes you right that's what i like to yeah. do yeah yeah especially when you know stocks go down a little bit you're getting a few more shares if you're doing it that way yep so that's always a good thing okay so we will be a bit 
Be back again next week with some more stocks and you don't want to miss a single episode. Be sure to subscribe here at the Market Edge on SoundCloud and we're also on Apple Podcasts, but get us somewhere so that you don't miss any of these stock picks. So I'll see you again next week.